listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Good morning, church family. Before I jump into this morning's sermon, I want to let you know about an opportunity, actually a couple opportunities, coming up on June 24th at 9 a.m. and 8 p.m. And like most opportunities to connect these days, this opportunity is no different. It's going to be happening on Zoom. And these calls are going to be very similar to the calls that we hosted in the very beginning of the COVID-19 shutdown where they were check-in calls where we're just having opportunity to connect with one another and see how we're doing and processing the current moment. And so we're going to have some conversations around how we're processing restrictions being eased in the state of Vermont and seeing how everyone is feeling and, and processing that as well as to see how everyone is feeling and processing the current moment and conversation that we're having in our country right now surrounding racial justice and racial equity. Now, these Zoom calls aren't gonna be a brainstorming session where we're proposing to one another this idea or that idea, but these are just gonna be opportunities we have to connect and see how we're feeling, see how we are doing. And so there's gonna be some links shared where you can sign up to hop on one of those calls. If those two get too big or they fill up, we're gonna add a third call at 6.30 p.m. And so there's kind of that difference between the morning and the evening so that we're hoping that provides enough opportunity for everyone who wants to participate, a room in your schedule to participate in those calls. And we're encouraging you to do so, to find some time to hop on one of those calls. Well, what a few weeks it has been, church. I, I, I really hope that everyone is able to catch Adam's sermon last week, recognizing, repenting, and responding, because those three rhythms have been such an important part of the ongoing journey in my own life in pursuit of racial justice and equity, and, and also an important part of the ongoing dismantling of racism in my own heart. Adam noted last week that the first question a human asks God is, am I my brother's keeper? And that for over 400 years in this country, blood has been crying out from the ground in the same way that Abel's blood cried out from the ground in Genesis 4 when he was murdered unjustly by his brother Cain. In many ways, racism is America's original sin. Uh, activist, writer, speaker, Andre Henry, he puts it this way in the context of the American church, addressing the American church. He says this, So if you believe that the sin of one couple millions or thousands of years ago has affected everything, then how is it that you can't believe that your more modern ancestors have done some stuff that have also affected the world today? Man, there's a sting to a quote like that. And, and if you're like me, when you hear a word like that, it can be painful. And I think our first instinct might be at times to get a bit defensive, but I, I promise you, those moments that 
a painful word comes to your heart. There are moments that will shape you and make you better if you sit and listen in that uncomfortable place. It's kind of like hydrogen peroxide. It's like that pain will, will bring healing if you let it do its work, if you don't wipe it off right away. Those of you who are ever a child or are a parent of children know what I am talking about with hydrogen peroxide. In many ways, racism is America's original sin. Here's the thing, God hears the cry, but will we be a church that hears the cry and becomes our brother's keeper? And so I'm asking all of you that right now. I'd love to see your responses in the comments today. I'd like you to see a, a bit more comments today than I did last week, and I know that was a hard sermon to process, but we need each other's voices right now. I need your voices right now. Our black brothers and sisters need your voices right now. So I'll ask again, are we our brother's keeper? Well, this morning, we're going to continue the larger conversation we've been having for a sermon series, Rhythms, and continuing the more specific conversation that Adam began last week. Adam, Adam said this last week, we need a lasting, long-term, committed, dedicated, enduring response, which means we'll continue to talk about and amplify this issue. Not because it's the hip, like, white and woke thing to do. We talk about it because God cares deeply about justice, and God cares deeply about the cry of the oppressed. And so today, I want to talk about the rhythm of justice as worship. Justice as worship. And we're going to begin with a passage from the book of Amos, because sometimes you just got to go to the prophets, the book of Amos. And this is in chapter 5, verses 21 to 24 in the NIV translation. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the noise of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let's read it again. I'm going to read from the message this time. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When's the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. God's word to his people. Justice is worship. Gathering, singing, tithing, spiritual practices, Bible reading, 
without justice cannot be worship cannot be worshiped according to amos true worship is the result of justice and righteousness and, and these are key words not only in the book of amos but in the prophets in general justice and righteousness sadak the hebrew word for righteousness it, it means this a standard of right equitable relationships between people no matter their social differences I'll read that definition of, again of sadak the hebrew idea of sadak a standard of right equitable relationships between people no matter their social differences and justice mishpat the hebrew word mishpat means this concrete actions that you take to correct injustice and create righteousness concrete actions mishpat that you take to correct injustice and create righteousness. Both of these characteristics are to permeate life of God's covenant people the same way that a rushing stream fills a dry riverbed. And what we're seeing in our country right now, it's not a new injustice. It's a very old injustice. But Many of us are waking up for the very first time and, and we're beginning to see our complicity in it for the very first time. And so before we, we continue fleshing out this idea of justice as worship, I want to share some of my personal journey concerning racial injustice and, and how I've been processing the current mo moment over the past few weeks. Uh, I'm going to take you back about five years. Our church is connected with a, a group, a network of missionally focused churches through a church network called Ecclesia. And about five years ago, I attended my first gathering, my first Ecclesia gathering, and it coincided with a conference called Missio Alliance. And then the conference was hosted at Alfred Street Baptist Church, it's one of the oldest black churches in the U.S. It's, it's in Alexandria, Virginia. And Alfred Street, they were just a fantastic host. And they had an unreal choir. And so if you're in the D.C. area, if you're in Alexandria on a Sunday, or, or maybe even check their website to see if they have any midweek gatherings, if you have an opportunity to hear this choir, worship is just incredible. And the speakers at the conference, they were incredibly diverse, uh, nationality, gender, race, denomination, you name it. And I was able to attend some workshops, panels, forums on the topic of racial justice and the gospel. And that was really the beginning of my process in earnest of introspection and action around racial justice in my own life. And I tell you what, there's like I, I was I was shook. I was heartbroken. I was confused about how to apply what I was learning about working for racial justice in our community here in Vermont, which is very white, in case you haven't noticed. And I asked a bunch of really stupid questions. But that moment was a moment of growth for me. It was a painful moment. It was one of those 
recognizing moments that Adam referred to last week. And here's the thing. Those painful, uncomfortable moments, they're necessary and important. And there have been many, many such moments since. When I've voiced privilege or racism in conversation and it's been pointed out to me. It's painful. But those moments have shaped me more than any other. And what I've learned is it's important to sit in those moments. And that's what I, what I would encourage you to do right now, church, is to sit in those moments of uncomfort and pain. To, to sit in that tension, be uncomfortable. And don't try to work yourself out of that too quickly. You should speak, you should speak up right now. You should speak up right now. But at the same time, a well-articulated Facebook post, it's not going to change you overnight. It's not going to change you overnight. So speak up. Even if you don't have the right words, speak up. Say something. But let's also, at the same time, let's check our motives. We don't want our words, we don't want our posts to be an opt-out from the work that lies ahead, my brothers and sisters. Now, fast forward, the, the last few weeks, they've been hard for me. They've been hard for me, as I'm sure they've been hard for you as well. And in, in, in the lead up to uh, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, or maybe at some point in the midst of the chaos of all of this, I'm not quite sure, uh, a video popped up on my timeline uh, that reflected a truth to me, something I think that most of us are aware of, but that the violence and murder of black men like Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd that it's not confined to just black men as well, but also the violent murder of black women like Breonna Taylor, but also black children, children like Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice, a reminder, was 12 years old and he was shot and killed while playing with an airsoft gun. My friends and I used to play with airsoft guns around the neighborhood. And, and, and last month, this video that struck me, it was a viral video circulating on Twitter of a black child, 14 years old, slammed on the ground by a policeman five times their size. Head pushed to the ground, punched in the head by a policeman five times their size. and. I could do nothing but turn off my phone and get into a fetal position and cry and get angry. And I, I've since learned that this incident took place in Rancho Cordova, California. And the child in the incident, his name was Elijah. And I didn't see Elijah's face because his face was being shoved into the ground and punched by the officer. But Elijah had the same tight curls that my daughter has. And my daughter 
could be lifted off her feet and slammed to the ground because of the color of her skin. Or shot while playing the toy in the park or going for a jog or eating Skittles. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to preach a sermon about this. I want to cry. I want to yell. I want to scream. I want to protest. I have to talk about this. I have to talk about this because you have to talk about this. We all have to talk about this. I cannot and I will not know what it means to be black in America, but we have to work through our own discomfort and pain and guilt to move towards empathy and justice, church. We have to be our brothers and sisters keeper. And so over the last few weeks, I've been crying a lot. I've been yelling a lot. I've been wanting to tweet a lot, trying not to tweet too much, but also working on a plan to respond in my own life as well and commit and recommit to the fight for racial justice and equity. We need to learn the rhythm of justice as worship, mishpat, concrete actions you take to correct injustice and create righteousness. White people like me need to confront racism because we're the ones who built and perpetuate and benefit from racism. Racism, racism is a white problem and it's fundamental that we start there. It's fundamental that we start there. We need to formulate concrete actions to take to correct injustice. As Adam said last week, we need a lasting, long-term, committed, dedicated, enduring response. Are we a brother and sister's keeper, church? If so, let justice roll on like a river. And let me say this, church, if we are not our brother and sister's keeper, God will not abandon the oppressed. God will not ignore injustice, and he will raise up a people who will work for justice. And so if we're not on the side of justice, we cannot be on God's side. If we're not on the side of justice, we cannot worship. Rich Velotas, pastor of New Life Fellowship in Queens, he puts it this way. He says this, speaking about the Good Samaritan story, which I'm sure many of us, if not most of us, are familiar with. He says, it's a story not just an example of compassionate spirituality. It is a critique against religious passivity. If church people won't work for justice and mercy, God will find some other people who will. And in many ways, God has, right? You know, uh, I haven't been able to listen to much worship music recently, but I have been able to listen to a lot of Kendrick Lamar and Rage Against the Machine these past few weeks. We can figure this out, church, but we have to be committed to justice. We have to be committed to justice. Reverend C.J. Rhodes says this, How convenient is it when it comes to racism and white supremacy that the evangelical, the American church solution is individualized 
heart change, which I believe in, by the way. Reverend C.J. Rhodes believes in, by the way. But when it comes to any other justice matter the religious light, right endorses, the solution is institutionalized policy change. Why is it? Why is it when it comes to racism and white privilege, the evangelical solution is just to say, you know what, we can't change racism through policy. It has to be individual heart change, which I believe in and I agree with. But with many other issues, uh, I'm sure you could name a few issues that are important to the evangelical demographic. They have actually endorsed and created solutions for institutionalized policy change. If we're committed to it, we'll figure out how to work for justice. Not just learn the right way to talk about it. Not just pray for it. Work for justice. This morning, I want you to hear the call of God to his people. Do you know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Here's the beautiful thing, church. We don't have to do this alone. We can get messy and angry and cry and lament and feel uncomfortable and experience pain together. Together. I don't know where y'all are at in this journey. Like I mentioned, this started in earnest for me about five years ago. And I experienced moments of ignorance and blindness and privilege afresh on a frequent basis, which tells me this, I'm just beginning to learn and wake up to these issues. And so if you're new to these issues too, let's commit together. What concrete actions will we take to correct the injustice of racism? And so I'm, I'm hesitant to give y'all a list even though I want to be helpful. In some ways, I'm sure you've seen more posts and lists than you can count. 10 books to read, 30 things white people can do. These are five things that our company is doing. This bullet point, this bullet point, this bullet point, this bullet point. But I do want to let you know of a couple things I'm doing or have been doing to take concrete action. I'm reading the poetry of Rajni Edens. He's a, he's a local poet who spoke at the Black Lives Matter protest in Burlington a few Saturdays ago. And, and his book of poetry is titled, Their Names Are Mine. And last week I had a call with my uncle, Mark Harrington, last week. And, and he was a leader in the ACT UP movement in the 80s and early 90s. And it was a guerrilla activist protest movement fighting for legislators and drug companies to pay attention to the AIDS, HIV epidemic crisis in our country and, and globally. And I asked him what he was reading. We were on a Zoom call and he listed a few books of poetry and he said this and it just stuck with me. Normally I'd be reading this gigantic medical journal right now but sometimes call for poetry do you know what i mean i've been thinking a lot about that this past week and so i've been reading poetry this upcoming wednesday uh i'm starting a seven week period of lament and repentance because four days of lent and studying the book of lamentations you know i just couldn't get enough 
if you know me. I just couldn't get enough lament. Um, but no, not not completely joking. I, I actually will be starting a seven-week period of lament and repentance, and I'm going to be using a devotional called An American Lament. And this is a free resource published by a nonprofit called Repentance Project, and it's described as such. I'm wanting to get you interested because I hope that some of you will join me uh, in this devotional. The Repentance Project exists to encourage racial healing by communicating systemic legacies of slavery, building relationships and creating opportunities through formation, repentance, and repair for a just future. And this is how they describe the devotional, An American Lament. A devotional journey through our nation's history that winds from the slave trade through the Civil War, Reconstruction, Jim Crow, and the Civil Rights Movement to modern-day inequalities. Enveloped in scripture and prayer, this resource provides both education and spiritual formation around the historical legacies of slavery while also presenting practical steps of moving forward. And so all of you, when I say that, all of you are invited to start devotional with me. And so if there's interest, um, shoot me an email, ian at wellchurchvt.com, and I'll gladly host some Zoom check-ins around the devotional for those par participating to see uh, if there's any conversation that would be worth having around the devotional. And just as worship, I'll also be providing a link as well, um, as well as some other resources. If you go to wellchurchvt.com slash let-justice-roll, let-justice-roll, uh, wellchurchvt.com slash let-justice-roll. We'll be sharing that in the comments right now as well. You'll find a link to an American Lament devotional as well as some other resources. Justice as worship can be a very practical rhythm, a very practical rhythm to engage. And so how about this? Pay attention to systems of injustice and get connected with organizations who are working to correct injustice. Do the work. Find out how to get involved. Get educated involved in local policy and politics. Attend your local board of finance meeting. Doesn't that sound like a snooze fest that is also at the same time incredibly important? Attend your local board of finance meeting and research where funds are being allocated and speak up when you see injustice. Protest, read, journal, journal what you're learning. Don't remain quiet when your racist uncle says something at Thanksgiving. Teach your kids about racism and how to be anti-racist. Put your money where your mouth is and support organizations working for racial justice. Support Black-owned businesses. And so I'm going to provide some other resources that will help you on this journey, will help you figure out how justice as worship can be a very practical rhythm in your own life at that link. Let justice roll on our website. That's where you can also find an American lament. And I'm going to be starting that on Wednesday. And so if you want to start at the same time as me, that's when I will be 
starting it. And so you'll find some other resources. I've re referenced the blog about how to talk to your kids about racism, uh, additional resources, anti-racism resources, and how to engage that in your own life. And I've also put on that site a list of my favorite Twitter follows at the intersection of faith and justice. And so these, these are people who are working in the faith world and the world of justice as well. So church, let's pray for God's justice to roll on like a river in our world, in our heart, and in our actions. Let's pray for God's justice to roll on like a river in our world and in our hearts and in our actions. Let's pray, church. God, we invite your spirit to change us from the inside out and that as you change us, that our actions would reflect those of a changed heart, those who have been shaped in the image of God, who hears the cry of the oppressed, shaped in the image of a God who cares deeply about justice. Not only justice in word, but justice in action as well. And so awaken our imagination, awaken our hearts, awaken our energies to be compelled and to move and to work for justice in our town, in our city, in our state, in our nation. May we be a prophetic voice in our community, a voice that raises the flag when we see injustice. May we be a community that fills dry riverbeds with the rushing river of justice. May we not be one step behind those who are working for justice in our communities, but may we be one step ahead as we are called and compelled by your spirit that calls us to work for justice, that calls us to work for unity, that calls us to work for the those who are marginalized, those who are oppressed, that uh, you have called us to hear the cry. Help us to be shaped in very practical ways, to work in very practical ways for justice. Help us to lift one another up and encourage one another in the uncomfort, in the pain, in the confusing process that this can be. Help us to have mercy and grace for one another as we mess up, as we make mistakes, as our own shortcomings, as our own racism, as our own brokenness, as exposed. May we not run from it or cover it up or try to move away from it too quickly, but may we learn from it. May we grow, may we find healing, and may we work for healing in our communities, for peace in our communities, to see your love and grace and shalom established on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, not just last week, but this week and in the weeks and months and years to come. Let's be a church that embraces the rhythm of justice as worship. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Uh, I am going to pray a prayer by Rich Lewis. 
and uh, to send us off. The prayer is called a prayer of lament for these troubled times. To lament is to cry out to God, naming the pain and injustice in our world. In so doing, receiving God's strength to work for God, how long, O Lord, will you forget us forever? How long will you hide your face from us? How long must we wrestle with our thoughts and day after day have sorrow in our hearts? How long, O Lord, will injustice fill this nation? How long, O Lord, will the poor and powerless be treated as less than human? How long, O Lord, will black and brown people have to carry the burden of living in a society that drowns out our cries? Lord, from the founding of this country to the present day, we grieve that racism has been America's enduring sin, that racism has been a strategy of evil powers and principalities. Lord, we grieve that the protests and policy changes of the past have not eradicated the deep stain of racial injustice. Lord, we confess our anger, our deep sadness, our bewilderment, and our collective sense of weakness to see this world healed through our own strength. From the founding of this country to the present day, we grieve that racism has been America's enduring sin that racism has been a strategy of evil powers and principalities. Lord, we lament the way the church has been often complicit in racist behavior. We lament the ways that the church has often turned its head, focusing on souls to the exclusion of black and brown bodies. Lord, we lament that although we identify with the name of Jesus, we don't live like Jesus. We lament that Ahmaud Arbery couldn't go for a jog without putting his life in great danger. We lament that Breonna Taylor couldn't sleep peacefully in her own home, but was found to be unjustly killed in the middle of the night. We lament that George Floyd would be callously killed by someone who was sworn to protect. We lament that it takes millions of people to raise our voices to hold people accountable for wrongdoing and abuse of power. Lord, we lament that the powers of our society have often seen black life as disposable. We lament that it takes millions of people to raise our voices to hold people accountable for wrongdoing and abuse of power. So God of justice, we call on your name. God of righteousness, hear the words that signal our pain. God of the oppressed, show yourself strong. God of healing, make right everything that's wrong. Lord, we grieve that in this society, not everyone can breathe. We grieve that black men and women too often can't breathe. We grieve that brown men and women too often can't breathe. We grieve that poor men and women too can't breathe. But Lord, in your kingdom, we all can breathe. In your kingdom, the breath of life is for everyone. In your kingdom, you breathe life and we come alive. So Lord, breathe on us. Breathe on this nation, breathe on the lawmakers, breathe on the church. Lord Jesus, 
your kingdom is good news for a world caught in racial injustice and hostility. We ask that you would give us grace for the deep challenges facing our country, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, empower us to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.